the first calendar's tale. Know, O oh my lady, that the cause of my beard being shorn and my eye being torn was as follows. My father was a king, and he had a brother who was a king over another city. And it came to pass that I and my cousin, the son of my paternal uncle, were both born on one and the same day. And years and days rolled on, and as we grew up, I used to visit my uncle every now and then, and to spend a certain number of months with him. Now my cousin and I were sworn friends, for he had ever entreated me with exceeding kindness. He killed for me for the fattest sheep, and strained the best of his wines. We enjoyed long conversing and carousing. One day, when the wine had gotten the better of us, the son of my uncle said to me, Oh my cousin. I have a great service to ask of thee, and I desire that thou stay me not in what so I desire to do. And I replied, with joy and goodly will, that he made me swear the most binding oaths and left me. But after a little while he returned, leading a lady veiled in rich apparel with ornaments, with a large sum of money. Presently he turned to me, the woman being still behind him, and said, Take this lady with thee, and go before me to such a burial ground, and enter with her into such a sepulchre, and there await my coming. The oaths I swore to him, made me keep silence and suffered me not to oppose him. So I led the woman to the cemetery, and both I and she took our seats in the sepulchre. And hardly had we sat down when in came my uncle's son with a bowl of water, a bag of mortar, and had say somewhat like a hole. We went straight to the tomb in the midst of the sepulchre, Breaking it open, the Adze set the stones on one side, then he fell to digging into the earth of the tomb till he caused upon a large iron plate, the size of a wicked door, and on raising it there appeared the lower staircase, vaulted and winding, and he turned to the lady and said to her, Come now, and take thy final choice! She at once went down by the staircase and disappeared, then quoth he to me, O son of my uncle, by way of completing thy kindness, when I shall have descended into this place, restore the trap door to where it was, and heap back the earth upon it as it lay before, and then by thy goodness, mix this unslaked slime which is in the bag with this water which is in the bowl, and, after building up the stones, plaster the outside so that none looking upon it shall say, This is a new opening to an old tomb. For a whole year I have worked at this place, whereof none knoweth but Allah. Presently adding, and this is the need I have of thee. May Allah never bereave thy friends of thee, nor make them desolate by thine absence, O son of my uncle, O my dear cousin. And he went down the stairs and disappeared forever. When he was lost to the sight, I replaced the iron plate and did all his bidding till the tomb became as it was before and I work almost unconsciously, for my head was heated with wine. Returning to the palace of my uncle, I was told that he had gone forth a sporting and hunting, so I slept that night without seeing him. And when the morning dawned, I remembered the scenes of the past evening, and what had happened to me and my cousin. I repented of obeying him when penitence was of no avail. I still thought, however, that it was a dream. So I fell to asking for the son of my uncle, but there was none to answer me concerning him. And I went out to the graveyard and the sepulchres, and sought for the tomb under which he was, but could not find it. And I ceased not wandering, but from sepulchre to sepulchre, and tomb to tomb, all without success. Till night set in, so I returned to the city. 
that I could neither eat or sleep, my thoughts being engrossed with my cousin, for that I knew not was to become of him, and I grieved with exceeding grief and passed another sorrowful night, watching until the morning. Then I went a second time to the cemetery, pondering over what the son of mine uncle had done, and sorely repenting my hearkening to him, went around among all the tombs, but could not find the tomb I sought. I mourned over the past, and remained in my mourning seven days, seeking the place and ever missing the path. Then my torture of scruples grew upon me till I nigh went mad, and I found no way to dispel my grief save travel and rebirth to my father. So I set out a journey homeward, but as I was entering my father's capital, a crowd of rioters sprang upon me and pinioned me. I wondered thereat with all wonderment, seeing that I was the son of the Sultan, and these men were my father's subjects, and amongst them were some of my own slaves. A great fear fell upon me, and I said to my soul, Would heaven I had knew what had happened to my father! I questioned those that bound me of the cause of their doing, but they returned me no answer. However, after a while, one of them said to me, and he had been hired servant for our house, Fortune hath been false to thy father. His troops betrayed him, and the wizard who slew him now reigneth in his stead, and will lay in wait to seize thee by the bidding of him. I was well nigh distraught, and fell ready to faint on hearing of my father's death. But when they carried me off and placed me in the presence of the usurper, now between me and him there was an old grudge, the cause of which was this. I was fond of shooting with a stone blow befell one day as I was standing on the terrace roof of the palace that the bird had lighted on top of the wazir's house when it happened to be there. I shot the bird and missed the mark, but I hit the wazir's eye and knocked it out as fate and fortune decreed. Even so saith the poet. We tread the path where fate had led, the path fate writ we vain must tread. And none in one land doomed to die, death nowhere else shall do him dead. Let fortune have her wanton way, take heart and all her words away, no joy nor mourn at anything, for all things pass and no things stay. Now, when I knocked out the wazir's eye, he could not say a single word, for that my father was king of the city, but he hated me ever after and dire was the grudge that caused between us twain. So when I would have sat before him, hand-bound and pinioned, he straightway gave orders for me to be beheaded. I asked, For what crime wilt thou put me to death? Whereupon he answered, What crime is greater than this? Pointing the while to the place where I had been, quoth I, this I did by accident, not of malice prepense. If thou didst it by accident, I will do the like by thee with intention. Then cried he, Bring him forward. And they brought me up to him, when he thrust his finger into my left eye and gouged it out. Whereupon I became one-eyed, as ye see me. Then he bade bind me hand and foot, and put me into a chest, and said to the sworder, Take charge of this fellow, and go off with him to the wastelands about the city. Then draw thy scimitar, and slay him, and leave him to feed the beasts and birds. So the headsman fared forth with me, and when he was in the midst of the desert, he took me out of the chest, and with both hands pinioned and both feet fettered, and was about to bandage my eyes before striking off my head. But I wept with exceeding weeping, 
until I made him weep with me, and looking at him, I began to recite these couplets. I deemed you caught, O mayor, that should withstand, the form and shaft, and you prove foreman's brand. I hoped your audience in mine every chance, through fail my left to aid my dexter hand. Aloof you stand, and hear the riders gibe, while rain their shafts on me the gibber band. But an ye will not guard me from my force, stand clear, and secure me neither these nor those. And I also quoted, I deemed my brethren male of strongest steel, and so they were, from foes I to fend my dart, I deemed their arrow surest of their aim, and so they were, when aiming at my heart. When the headsman heard my lines, he had been sorted to my sire, and he owed me a debt of gratitude. He cried, Oh, my lord, what can I do? Being but a slave under orders, take thy life and fly when as evil threat. Let the ruined house tell its owner's fate. New land for the old shalt thou seek and find. But to find new life, thou must not await. Strength that men should sit in the stead of shame, when Allah's world is so wide and great. And trust not others in matters grave. Life itself must act for our life be set. Neither would proud the lion with maned neck. Did he reckon of aid, or of others wreck? Hardly believing in my escape, I kissed his hand and thought the loss of my eye a light matter in consideration of my escaping from being slain. I arrived at my uncle's capital, and going in to him, told him of what had befallen my father and myself, whereat he wept with sore weeping and said, Verily thou adds grief to my grief, and woe to my woe, for my cousin have been missing these many days. I would not what have happened to him, and none can give me news of him. And he wept till he fainted. I sorrowed and condoled with him, and he would have applied certain medicaments to my eye, but he saw that it what has become as a walnut with the shell. Then said he, Oh, my son, better to lose eye and keep life. After that, I can no longer remain silent about my cousin, for who was his only son and one dearly loved, so I had told him all that had happened. He rejoiced with extreme joyance to hear news of his son and said, Come now, and show me the tomb. But I replied, By Allah, O oh my uncle, I know not its place. Though I sought it carefully full many times, yet could not find the site. However, I and my uncle went to the graveyard and looked right and left, till at last I recognized the tomb. And we both rejoiced with exceeding joy. We entered the sepulchre and loosened the earth about the grave. Then, raising up the trapdoor, descended some fifty steps, till we came to the foot of the staircase, when lo, we were stopped by a blinding smoke. Thereupon said my uncle, that saying whose sayers shall never come to shame. There is no majesty and there is no might, save in Allah the glorious, the great. And we advanced till we suddenly came upon a saloon, whose floor was strewed with flour and grain and provisions and all manner necessaries, and in the midst of it stood a canopy sheltering a couch. Thereupon my uncle went up to the couch and inspected it and found his son and the lady who had gone down with him into the tomb, lying in each other's embrace. But the twain had become black as charred wood. It was as if they had been cast into a pit of fire. And when my uncle saw this spectacle, he spat in his son's face and said, Foul as fine desert, oh foul hog. 
This is the judgment in the transitory world, and yet remains the judgment in the world to come. A duel, and a more enduring. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the twelfth night, she continued, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the calendar thus went on with the story before the lady and the caliph and Jafar. My uncle struck his son with his slipper as he lay there a blacking heap of coal, and marveled at this hardness of heart in grieving for my cousin, and the lady said, By Allah, O my uncle, calm thy wrath. Cost thou not see that all my thoughts are occupied with this misfortune, and how sorrowful I am for what hath befallen thy son, and how horrible that thought of him remaineth a black heap of charcoal. And is that not enough? Thou must smite him with thy slipper. O oh, son of my brother, this youth from his boyhood was madly in love with his own sister, and often and often I forbade him from her, saying to myself, they are nothing but little ones. However, when they grew up, sin befell between them, and although I could hardly believe it, I confined him and chided him and threatened him with the severest threats, and the eunuchs and servants said to him, Beware of so foul a thing which none before thee ever did, and which none after thee will ever do. And have a care, lest thou be dishonored and disgraced among the kings of the day, even to the end of time. And I added, such a report as this will be spread abroad by caravans, and take heed not to give them a cause to talk, or I will surely curse thee and do thee to death. After that, I lodged them apart and shut her up, but the accursed girl loved him with passionate love for Satan. God the mastery of her, as well as of him, and made their foul sins fair in their sight. Now when my son saw that I separated them, he secretly built this suit to reign and furnished it and transported it to its victuals, even as Faustiest. And when I had gone out as sporting, came here with his sister and hid from me. Then his righteous judgment fell upon the twain and consumed them with fire from heaven. Even verily the last judgment will deem them durer pains and more enduring. Then he wept, and I wept with him, and he looked at me and said, <sighs> Forward my son in his stead. And I bethought a while of the world and of its chances, how the wazir had slain my father and has taken his place, and I put out my eye, and how my cousin had come to this death by the strangest chance, and I wept again, and my uncle wept with me. Then we mounted the steps, and let down the iron plate, and heaped up the earth over it, and, after restoring the tomb to its former condition, we returned to the palace. But hardly we sat down, ere we heard the tom-toming, and the kettle drum of Tantara, and trumpets, and clash of cymbals, and the rattling of warmen's lances, and the clamors of assailants, and the clanking of bits, and nailing of steeds, while the world was canopied with dense dust and sand clouds, raising by the horses' hoofs. We were amazed at the sight and sound, knowing not what could be the matter. So we asked, and were told us that the wazir who had absurd my father's kingdom had marched his men, and that after levying his order, a host of wild Arabs into his service, with armies like the sands of the sea, and against them not could prevail. They attacked the city unawares, the citizens, and the to a
opposed them, surrendered the place. My uncle was slain and I was made for the suburb, saying to myself, If thou fall into the villain's hands, he will assuredly kill thee. On this wise, all my troubles were renewed, and I pondered all that had betided my father and my uncle, and I knew not what to do. For if the city people of my father's troops had recognized me, they would have done their best to win favor by destroying me. And I could think of no way to escape save by shaving off my beard and my eyebrows. So I shore them off and changing my fine clothes for a calendar's rags. And I fared forth from my uncle's capital and made for the city, hoping that peradventure some would assist me upon the presence of the Prince of the Faithful and the Caliph who is the Vice-Regent of Allah upon earth. Thus have I come hither and I might tell him my tale and lay my case before him. I arrived here this very night and was standing in doubt whether I should go, when suddenly I saw this second calendar. So I solemn to him, saying, I am a stranger. And he answered, I am too a stranger. And as we were convincing, behold, up came our companion, this third calendar, and he saluted us, saying, I am a stranger. And we answered, We too, we too be, strangers. be strangers. Then we three walked on and together till darkness overtook us, and destiny crave us to your house. Such, then, is the cause of the shaving of my beard and mustachios and eyebrows, and the manner of losing my right eye. They marveled much at this tale, and the caliph said to Jafar, By Allah, I have not seen nor have I heard the like of what hath happened to this calendar. Quoth the lady of the house, Rub thy head and wend thy ways. But he replied, I will not go till I hear the history of the two others. Thereupon, the second calendar came forward and kissing the ground began to tell the second calendar's tale. One Thousand and One Arabian Nights Audio Drama, Quarter of Baghdad, Part 2, The First Calendar's Tale, from Sir Richard Burton's timeless classic Arabian Night Entertainments features Marguerite as Shahzad, Patrick Seymour as First Calendar, Zaid Patterson as Second Calendar, Warren Blackie as Third Calendar, Kamran Nihad as Wicked Cousin, Justin Grant as Servant, Michael Mohika as Wicked Uncle, Introducing Lee Turner as Headsman Sorter, Sean Chiplock as Eunuch, TJ, Elderly Father, Natalie Von Sistine as Eldest Lady, Music Ibn Al-Nur by Kevin McLeod, Ambient selections from freesound.org, sound effects from freesound.org, opening and ending credits theme inner in Steve Irwin, and Arabian Adventures by Music Bakery, licensed by audiosparks.com, Desert Gems Audio, copyright 2013, all rights reserved.